Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. everybody and welcome to another edition of television the show brought to you by uscfootball.com i'm your host keely we're joined by ryan abraham and shotgun sprawling it's a bonus tunnel vision there was so much happening we were like you know what we got to come back on a tuesday and do a bonus tunnel vision so that's what we're doing tonight we have a lot to talk about uh, we're coming straight from usc's tuesday practice we saw lincoln riley there with some other people that will be named we'll talk about that too and uh, we also were all at the introductory press conference on monday we'll talk about what we heard from president carol fold athletic director mike bone chief of staff brandon sosna chair of the board Rick Caruso it was a whole palooza, and of course, from Lincoln Riley himself. So we'll talk about that. A lot to get into, guys. Um, please tweet us, hashtag Tunnel Vision. I'll put your tweet up on the screen wherever you're watching, Facebook, Periscope, or YouTube. Put your comments, questions below. We love hearing from you guys and answering your questions. No calls tonight. Sorry about that. We'll get back to calls in a bit uh, in later shows, but we're just going straight Tunnel Vision tonight. But guys, like I said... A bonus episode was needed because it's just been a wild uh, couple days for USC. It's been, I mean, the last 48 to 72 hours or so, whatever it's been, um, absolutely insane. When we did our television show on Sunday, it seemed like the, the BYU game was a month earlier, you know, and yeah. just the, everything that's been happening since then and getting to talk to Lincoln Riley for the very first time. On Monday night in the Coliseum, you know, in the Coliseum with beautiful weather. Like today's kind of foggy. If they if they had it tonight, like it might not have been as pretty as it was True. when they had it yesterday. The sun setting and the Hollywood signs up there in the you know downtown. It was it was just spectacular. I mean, USC hit it out of the park, and we just haven't seen USC do that. They sort of like do things, you know, half-assed or whatever, and then it just kind of works out. This was not like that. This was fully planned. Uh, you know, a lot of things had to come together to make it, you know, as pretty as it was and as uh, smooth as it was. Big time, you know, you had Mark Sanchez there and Matt Leinert and all the big heavy hitters. And it was sort of like a victory lap, I guess, for this athletic department that really was criticized uh, since Mike Bone came on. Um, from people, I, even me, you know, like people, we've been critical of, of some of the decisions. And there was a lot of singles that were hit. There was a lot of uh, I guess, foundation building that had to happen uh, to allow a guy like Lincoln Riley to be able to walk into the situation. And he seemed as as happy as he could be to be taken over the USC Trojan football program. But it just rare have we seen something in the athletic department work like this 
as part of a plan and not just sort of it, oh, that just kind of just all worked out. This really was well thought out. You know, props to Mike Bowen, Brandon Saza. Like, they did a really good job with this. Uh, a lot of the rumors, a lot of the things that you had heard, I don't think those things are true, all the negativity stuff that was going on. So uh, kudos to them. And it's it's made our lives uh, much more exciting. It's much more fun to talk about positive, crazy stories around USC as opposed to negative ones. And we've we've had our share of negative ones. We've, there's always crazy stories, though. Every couple of months, there's like a drop everything. You look at your phone. Oh, crap. Let's go to the studio. We got to do something because this is awful. And this is more of the opposite of that. This is like, this is incredible. And we, uh, you know, thanks to everyone. If you're new members of uh, uscfootball.com, you can go still do that if you haven't done that yet. But uh, I mean, we've set all-time high for subscriptions and record number of people sign up. So we appreciate that. The Peristyle family is growing and um, you know, it, it's tough. Like from our point of view, you know, we do a lot of reporting. If we shotgun goes to a high school game and reports on some four-star like running back, and he goes back to Peristyle, and they're like, "Oh, it doesn't matter." Clay Hill is still the head coach. Like it, it was, True. it was a lot of that, and you feel like you're you're putting in a lot of work and trying to give good information to the USC Trojan football community. And a lot of people just were sort of like not into it, and they just became apathetic, which you know, completely understandable. A lot of those people are back, and their people are coming back in droves. And it's, it's, I mean, much cooler for us when we like put up a story and everyone's like, "Yeah, this is great," you know. Um, so it's been long answer, Keely, but it's just been a crazy few days. Uh, very happy, happy for all these USC fans that just, you know, bleed Cardinal and Gold and just wanted some good news, wanted something positive to happen, just haven't had it, just been beaten down over and over and over again. They're finally getting something positive, so we're really happy for them. Yeah. You know, all the fans, uh, you know, I've said this on a couple of shows, but this is the first time since I've been at USC and I got in, into Los Angeles in 2009 that there has been unity among the fans. Everyone is excited. Everyone thinks this is a great move, a great hire. Um, you, you know, there's some. The only thing that people have even argued about is, like, how did it come about? Yeah. You know, was it something they've been planning for months or did it? Come in a twelve-hour window. Who made the final decision? That's what people are arguing about now. Because they, 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 they're kind of searching for something to argue. You still got to argue for something. Yeah, right? of course, it's the P. Um, but for everyone that's just been has said, I can't take it. Uh, I can't spend any money. I'm giving away my season tickets for whatever. Welcome back. Yes. Welcome back. Uh, we, we're glad to have everyone back. Um, we know, and I thought there was a really interesting comment from from Brennan Sosna. He said, "We know." Um, how many people's lives are rooted in USC football, and they understand the impact that a decision like this has. And this is going to be a huge impact, not only on USC football, but on UCLA football and the 10 other teams that are in the Pac-12. Yeah, It's going to be a huge impact on the college football landscape. Yes, Look at the dominoes that are changing. And granted, one of those, you know, there's never been really a blue blood to blue blood the last 20 25 years that hasn't happened you know with a coach at a peak or not a peak but at, at a high uh like lincoln riley was you know coming off 10 win season in the mix for a college football playoff in the mix for uh, a conference championship uh, berth and then all kind of ends in that oklahoma state game and suddenly that that was usc's window yeah and brendan sosna also said that that time i think he said that uh you know when they saw the loss it was like the enemy's gates are down yeah. now's the time to attack they went out and got Lincoln Riley, but fans just have not had something to unify them. Even when the 2017 Rose Bowl, 
that season, there was still a lot of fans were saying, it's just Sam Darnold. He's yeah. leading it. This is a this is a blip. It's not going to happen again. And those people end up being correct. Um, Clay Helton wasn't the guy to lead them to a college football playoff. And, you know, there's still some people that are pushing back and we're hoping and optimistic that, you know, things could get improve and get better. And that never was the case. So there's been that back and forth for ages for us on the message boards and stuff. <laughs> but it's great to see everyone unified and everyone just excited. You know, there's so much excitement around the Coliseum right now. Um, and it was what a beautiful backdrop it was yesterday. It was gorgeous. Uh, great day for it. And, you know, I think it felt like the sun was shining on the Trojans then because it literally, the sun, as it crept down at the <laughs> end of the ceremony, there was sun on the face of many of the Trojans there. And that's what it kind of felt like just in general. But this is a move that changes the landscape of college football because you take a power from the Big 12, move it west. Maybe the Pac-12 can finally get back on the standing that it used to be where it's equal with the other four group of, uh, or power five conferences rather than being four power four a power four conferences and the Pac-12 a little bit little brother yeah. a little bit behind um, so we'll see if that can change but you know the, the coaching carousel is crazy right now so the college football landscape is being dramatically overhauled yeah. in 48 hours this is the craziest we've ever seen in and, a week you know, talking to like Bruce Feldman any of the national college football writers it's never been like this and I, I, I think I was listening to Bruce and Stu on the audible and Stu brought up they really got to change the early signing period, which I'm glad to hear because I, I've yeah. done a, a ton of radio the last couple of days, and that's something I try to bring up. The reason it's this silly of a season is because of the early signing period. Like, that's really what's going on. You need to fire your coach early. You need to get the coach. I mean, Brian Kelly can still make the college football playoff, and he left his team. Like, he's going to LSU. and Not, a, you know, not like a super long shot, like – realistic chance this weekend if a couple teams don't play well. Yeah. I mean, it's it's crazy what that he could be walking away from a college football playoff team. But I think the early signing period, which was meant to, uh, you know, help the student athletes has only hurt them. It's kind of those, um, you know, the best intentions or whatever. Like they had good intentions for this early signing period, but the timing of it's terrible. It's making coaches get fired earlier. Coaches are leaving and then players are left like, you know, holding the bag here. So, and then they got to transfer and, you know, it's a mess what's happening in Oklahoma right now. And that's, you know, it's, it, if, if you didn't have the, the early signing period, like when it is, it probably wouldn't be happening that way. You could take a little more time and all that, but it, it hopefully they make a change. I, I hate that rule. Um, hopefully they make a change, but the way this, this silly season is sort of like, if you had, you know, the BCS when there was like, if there was like a number three team that was undefeated and great, that's, you needed something like that to blow up the BCS. You kind of needed something like this to happen to say, oh my God, this early signing period, this is this is not the right thing. Yeah, and, and one of the things, USC, they wanted to get somebody in for the recruiting, obviously, but they also wanted to get somebody in because this week is a chance to evaluate the players. You know, Lincoln yeah. Riley was at practice today along with some of the assistants that he has brought with him. Uh, they were able to watch the Trojans and watch the players, get an idea Okay, what do we have to work with? What are some of the challenges going to be for us uh, to work with with this roster? So that's something that you that Brendan Sosna also said um, that they wanted to do and they would like to get it done. So if again going back to the Oklahoma State game, if that you know Oklahoma had twice had the ball inside the thirty, I think it was both times their last two drives. They kick a field goal both times, then they win. Yeah. <laughs> or if they make it on fourth down, score a touchdown, they win. Instead, they lose, they don't make it to the Big 12 Championship, and suddenly Lincoln Riley is coming to USC. So, dramatic change of events that may not have happened. If, if they win that game and, and advance to this week to the championship, 
Lincoln Riley's not USC's head coach right now, and he may not have become right. USC's head coach because they may have went ahead and tried to make that move because, again, one is early signing period. They want to get somebody in, try to recruit for two weeks, and the other one being they wanted to give them a chance to to view the team uh, since they did have this extra game. So, you know, it could be completely different. The, the early signing period, real quick on that, they got to move it before the season. Yes. That's yes. what I think is the, the solution. Move it before senior se- season now and advise a lot of those seniors – don't make a decision yet. Yeah. Wait till the actual signing day. Um, don't try to rush into it. But if you are set, that's what your dream school, wanted to go there all your life, doesn't matter who the coach is, if everyone gets fired, if they take away the football team, you might still go to that, that school. That's the guy that needs to sign. Everyone else, just wait. Just wait yeah. it out. I think that was the point of it. They <laughs> wanted that to be the case. And then all of a sudden, just everyone signed in December. You're like, you're getting ready for a bowl game. Coach is getting fired, all that stuff. Yeah, it's just, it's not working, so... Hopefully. I love the February signing period anyway, but if you do an early one in like July or August, you know, and you've got a few players signed, that's perfect. Like you don't, you don't need this December thing. It's just nuts. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, gentlemen, you dipped in and out of basically every topic oh, we're going to talk about tonight. It's fine. Y'all had a solo pod. It's fine. I'm just over here. Just... Oh, wait, Keely, you're still here. I thought we I'm were I'm still uh... here. Oh, my goodness. Oh, yes. Okay. Let's go back to – shocking. I heard that. Uh, what? The, the press conference, introductory press conference on Monday. I thought the statement from Mike Bone was interesting. He said, it was never our goal to change the landscape of college football with one of the biggest moves in the history of the game, but we did exactly that. It sends a loud and par- powerful message to the college football world that this sleeping giant is wide awake and Ryan I know ever since I've been working with you you have been uh, saying that you the brand of USC is so strong and you don't have to mess it like it's so easy to just let USC be USC it looks like USC is going to try and return to USC what does that do for the conference the west coast and just football in general yeah I mean first I think with just the USC fan base because when we met with Mike Bone and Brandon Sosna and you tell people like hey man these guys know what they're doing. Like they're going to come in and make some really good decisions. I think all, all, all everyone focused on was they didn't fire Clay Helton fast enough. So they have to be idiots. Like literally that was what a lot of people would tell us. And I think now, I mean, we had an apology thread on the P about <laughs> what was going on to apologize to the athletic department. Um, and I, I feel like it was a bold statement uh, by Mike Bone, uh, but I don't think there was anything that wasn't true. This is a, like shotgun said, you just don't see blue blood, to blue blood happening. Now yet another one happened you know, the next day with uh, Brian Kelly going to uh, LSU. And, and I think that if you count LSU as a blue blood. Yeah. I mean, USC sort of forced LSU's hand because they were going to try to, they tried to get Lincoln mm-hmm. Riley. They were going to try, they wanted to make the big splash higher. That's what they are known for. And, uh, they, you know, so they went good for, they went outside the box and get a Brian Kelly, which no one even thought was possible. Both hires, no one really thought was possible, but it did change the college football landscape and it might have an impact on just the rules with when they're seeing how these things are happening and you you feel bad for the Oklahoma players and uh, you're going to feel bad for the Notre Dame players, especially if they make the college football playoff, you don't even have your head coach there. Um, This is not, that's not the best thing for the student athletes. And I think maybe something like this could actually change the rules in college football where they, you know, get rid of or move the early signing period. Uh, But it also changes the the landscape in the Pac-12 of course, you know, USC has been that sleeping giant. It's no, you know, sleeping no longer. If you read message boards from any of the other schools in the Pac-12, most of the fans aren't very happy. Uh, they, they were very happy with Clay Helton. They were very happy with 
kind of incompetence at, at running the program. They're not happy that, that Lincoln Riley's going to be there because they're like, we had like a 10-year window to do some good things. I and- forgot about how salty fans get about USC kind of returning to prominence because like it's been so long that they were just happy that Clay Hilton was around. It was crazy. <laughs> like but- seven years of that, right? Yeah. And, I mean, uh- the other the message boards of USC's rivals and Pac-12 schools was just – they were not yeah. excited about this move. Like, but it, but in general, fans. a little, like, bit little bit different take from yeah. USC fans. But like <laughs> if you're George Klyovkov, you're happy for this. You want USC oh, to be good. I mean, and and if, if you're an ASU fan, you should want USC to be good. Now, yes, does it make – if you're a Utah fan, is it going to be harder to win the Pac-12 South? You've won it three of the last four years. Yeah, it's going to be harder because USC is going to be good. But it helps the whole conference. And if Utah has a great team, maybe they only do that every four years, but they have a great team and maybe they knock off USC. They're going to get a lot more credibility for that great season when you have beaten USC and you're 11 and one or whatever, than if USC was just terrible and you beat the crap out of them and it doesn't really matter. Oh, you lost the game. You're, you're not very good. So I think it sets things up for if you're a really good Utah team or Oregon team, having a great USC team in your conference that has a whole bunch of five-star players on it, which you know that will be the case when Lincoln Riley's here for a little bit. Um, it gives you more credibility, so I think it it's something that uh, you know the Pac-12 should want. They don't necessarily want that from the, no, the no, message boards that we're no. seeing. Other yeah. other fans don't want that. They right. don't want USC to be good. If you are a college football fan, however, if you're not just a fan of your team, if you're also a college football fan, then you should want this because it raises the identity of the Pac-12. And it potentially puts a power back on the West Coast. Now, Oregon has tried to take over that, but they haven't been able to get over that hump yeah. and be a consistent college football playoff contender. They seem to get in there, trip their own, their own selves up every time that they have that opportunity. Uh, after Jameis Winston beat them, just haven't been able to reach that consistent level. So the potential of bringing a power back to the West and making it a instead of a regionalized sport – a national sport once again because it's been a regionalized sport very much in so. the southeast and ohio state that has been it that has literally been it a regionalized sport and and ohio state and that's it and now michigan beating ohio state i think that's a positive thing overall for the big 10 um and the big 10 just having all those other teams that are kind of competing and the contracts that were thrown around the big 10 i think Great. what has happened in the last two months is great for college football as college football is going toward is reaching towards a precipice of potentially expanding the college football playoff, the big TV deals that are coming. I think this is a great opportunity for college football to actually expand and become a national sport again, uh, rather than just a regionalized Southeast sport. Yeah, I think, yeah, the TV contracts coming up in a couple of years. So that's what I was about to ask you, Ryan. What yeah. does this mean for the TV contract? It's huge for George Klyovkov, and it's huge for the Pac-12. You need USC to be good. I mean, just. Uh, I mean, to have USC have like a, a five-star or two on the roster, that's just not, you know, and all the five stars from Southern California going elsewhere, you need USC to be able to snatch those guys up. And it looks like Lincoln, I mean, Lincoln he already got a five-star commitment. He's been on the job for 48 hours. So, um, I mean, that's the kind of stuff you're going to expect. The guys that you were used to going to USC, going to USC again. And I think that helps the whole conference. And then if USC, you know, say in year two um, under Lincoln Riley, like, you know, they're vying for a college football playoff spot. I mean, that definitely helps when he's negotiating that new TV deal. Like, oh, you got a good USC? Okay, that's going to help the whole Pac-12. So if there's a palpable buzz around USC and Lincoln Riley, that only elevates everything because then the LA market is actually fully invested in college football 
then you can sell that to everyone. The Fox, the ESPN, it, it creates that much more of a bidding war versus if the Salt Lake City market, everyone's invested in college football. Yeah, and mm -hmm. just brand-wise, like you talked about, Keeley, before, um, yeah, I think I was do one of the radio interviews I was doing today, and they were talking about it, like, Think about USC in 2016. They start off one and three, like get smoked by Oklahoma, you know, lose to Utah. Alabama. I'm sorry, Alabama. Used to uh, lose to Stanford. And they go out and they win their next nine games or whatever. They put Sam Darnold in a quarterback and they won the Rose Bowl. Like, you know, when has UCLA last won a Rose Bowl? Like USC can have a terrible start to the season and still turn things around and win a Rose Bowl. And I don't know if there's any program in the country that could do that. There's just, it's just set up for you. Like if, if USC wins, the path is very simple. You just have to, you just have to not screw it up. And even when you start off the season poorly, you can turn things around. We've never seen anything like that before, a one in three team winning the Rose Bowl. You know, I mean, I don't, I don't know who could end up doing something like that. Wisconsin had a chance this year. Uh, yeah, they had, they made a run. They, um, they were, I think they were one in three and then had one six or seven straight before losing last week. Yeah. So, if they would have won last week, they would have been in the Big 12, I mean, Big 10 championship and had a chance to advance the Rose Bowl because I don't think they would make the college football playoff. But but that's the brand. And that's, I mean, that was run by Clay Helton. Like, a, so if Lincoln Riley has a team that stumbles out of the block and they lose to Stanford week two, they run the table like they're, they're, they're getting the benefit of the doubt. You know, USC will get the benefit of the doubt where Cincinnati, the college football playoff committee is looking for reasons to move them down. They're still number four today. Um, you know, behind a couple of one-loss teams ahead of them, even though they beat Notre Dame. And, you know, that's sort of a blocker for Notre Dame to get in there, but they could still move up and be, you know, Cincinnati would have to be three and then Notre Dame would be four. But yeah, the, the brand is still strong. And I think Mike Bowen, Brandon Sosna, they proved that and they showed like, look, like someone like Lincoln Riley, one of the smartest, you know, young minds in college football, looks at the potential of the USC job and goes, yeah, you can do a lot of great things there. Because you can. And I think some of the fan base, maybe some of the media just sort of was down on USC because it's been poorly run for so long. But we always said it just it has that potential still. And being able to bring in a Lincoln Riley shows that. And it's made everyone else around in the Pac-12 afraid. And uh, that's then you know you made a right hire, right? Like if they're going, yeah. oh, crap. You know, if you, if you hire Jeff Fisher, everyone's like, yeah, more Clay Hilton kind of stuff. And like, <laughs> no, you hire Lincoln Riley, they're like, oh. Like, and that's where the message doomed. boards we've seen. Yeah, we're doomed. And that's, yeah. that's if you're a USC fan, that's all you, you – you don't need to hear our analysis about the hire. Ask your UCLA friend what he thinks <laughs> about it. And you're like, crap. You know, like that's, that's what you want to hear. A lot of UCLA fans were like, what? Why did they score sixty-two points? What? <laughs> Why did they do that? Like that yep. just forced their hand and made them want to go out and get. Get that's someone what rivalries are about. Yeah, and Chip <laughs> Kelly's going to stick around now. So yeah. Yeah, look at that. Which but Brian are. Kelly's not. So your other rival. That's and we had a question for the Family Feud yeah. podcast plug. plug. If you guys haven't nice. heard listened to it yet today, but um, I'm halfway that, through. That <laughs> if was it were USC fans more excited about getting Lincoln Riley or um, or having. Um, Brian Kelly leave and, and Notre Dame fans being spurned by him yeah. to, to go there. So, you know, both actually, you know, USC fans were both excited about both of them, yeah. but we'll see who uh, Cincinnati ends up getting could work out better in their favor. Three out of conference games next in 2022, all at home, Rice, Fresno state and Notre Dame. And two of those schools have, are switching coaches. So a little bit of advantage there. I mean, USC switch coaches, but that's a plus. So that's not. <laughs> now, I know it's easy to win the press conference, but I thought Lincoln Riley did well on Monday. I thought there were a couple of, uh, as 
Chris put it in his uh, content piece. Ten eye-catching quotes. I was wondering what stuck stuck out to you, stuck out to you most on Monday. I'll go. I'll hear from both of you. Whoever wants to go first. Uh, I mean, I just the genuine joy he seemed to have mm, of point. being there. You know, like it's it is a blue blood to blue blood thing. And Norman, Oklahoma, is different than Los Angeles, California. And you got a young family. Um, you know, if you're moving, you're like, hey, you know, kids, we're gonna move to. Uh, Lincoln, Nebraska, and I'm going to be the Nebraska head coach. Like, that's cool. Like, Nebraska is a great program and stuff, but, you know, the kids are, you're bringing them to Nebraska. Like, you can't drive to Disneyland from there. Like, you're bringing your kids out here. Like, oh, by the way, on the weekend, I got to work, but mom can take you to Disneyland. You know, like, there's, it just seemed like he was like, this is going to be really cool. Like, there's so many people that just moved to the city, um, you know, for different dreams or, you know, you want to be an actor, whatever it is. It's, it's a big city. It's a destination. The, the weather's great and all that kind of stuff. You can go skiing and surfing in the same day. All those things, all the professional sports teams, like, oh, you want to go to a Dodgers game or let's go see the Lakers. And, um, you know, he can probably get courtside seats and stuff like that. So it just seemed seemed like he was genuinely just excited. Like, you know, sometimes you need a a little change of scenery. And, uh, you know, I've I've not been to Norman. I've heard great things about it, but it's just, it's going to be a different feel uh, being in Los Angeles. So it just seemed like this was the, you know, the challenge is real. Like, hey, we can, he had Bob Stoops team. And did a great job with it, but it was something that was already built, and he continued it. This is really pretty much a complete rebuild on his part. Uh, but I, I feel like just the genuineness about moving to L.A. seemed to be something that really appealed to him. Just looking around when he was looking at the scenery, like, this is crazy. It's like, yeah. His first words were, wow, is this real? <laughs> and he turned to look at the L.A. skyline behind the Coliseum. Um, yeah, I think awe. You know, He was just in awe of L.A. And talking about how that it is a great opportunity for his family to experience something new. I thought that was really interesting because that's not something you really expect in a pre- in a in a coaching press conference yeah. necessarily. Um, the thing that stood out to me that caught my ear at least was he talked about we got to build the roster, we got to build the coaching staff, we got to build facilities, and I said, like, "Whoa, build facilities? facilities yeah, good point." Um, I thought that was interesting, and he mentioned it again. Um, and I asked him afterwards when we had a smaller media scrum and I asked him what's the first thing he's got to get. And I mentioned facilities in the question, uh, but he did say the first thing that they got to focus on, the first most important pressing thing is getting the staff together. Yeah. Because then you can go recruit and then you can worry about everything else. But the facilities thing, I asked Brendan Sosna about it as well. And he, because it was mentioned, he said once they had made the decision with Clay Helton, one of the things they did is they went to you know the architects, the you know the designers, the blueprint designers, and everyone, and got some plans together about some potential facility upgrades for USC, so that they could use that in their pitch to coaches to uh-huh. say, hey, this is something that we're doing because that's one of the big things that ends up with some coaches making moves is they want to increase in facilities. They want to whether it be a football only facility or they want some. One of the things that's come up with Brian Kelly is he wanted a, a chef for the team. He wanted them to have their own uh, training table, and, and Notre Dame was pushing back on that, and he'd been pushing for that, pushing for that, and wasn't able to get it. So one of the big things that coaches often ask for is facility upgrades. It's an arms race, you know, much yeah. more ten years ago in football. Yeah, that it, you know everyone had to get something new, and that's what you want to be something flashy to show the recruits and all that type of stuff. So I thought it was really interesting that that was something USC had the foresight saying. We're not up to par with whatever all the other blue bloods, the college football powerhouses are right now. So we need to have an idea of where that can be. So if a Lincoln Riley comes and goes, yeah, I like your program. I like L.A., but, you know, are you guys going to invest in the program in that way? And being facilities one, 
And I'm like, oh, uh, we, we would love to do that, but w- that's not something they necessarily had thought of. They definitely had thought of it here. Um, obviously, don't know what exactly the plans will be yet, but that'll be something interesting to watch going forward. Yeah. yeah. In, in that same sense, Shotgun, I thought it was really interesting hearing from Brandon Sosna, and he said, uh, essentially, two years ago, if they had fired Clay Helton, the the foundation just wasn't in place. He was like, I don't think we can attract a guy like Lincoln Riley, whereas two years later, uh, rebuilding, and we've talked about it ad nauseum on this show over the last two years, what Brandon Sosna and Mike Bone have been trying to do with the athletic department. I just thought it was really interesting because it kind of uh, verified what we had expected is that you needed to rebuild kind of the decades of dysfunction that we saw in the athletic department prior to the arrival of Mike Bone and, and his staff. Yeah, I think that was part of it, just sort of a department that was rotting from within. And, you know, I was, we said on the show recently, like, hey, you know, I think if they went, they could go back, they would have fired Clay Helton earlier. You know, just you would save a lot of money, the fan base and all that stuff. But, you know, knowing that you could actually, if you waited two years and you fixed everything up around it and you could get a Lincoln Riley, now it's a risk, of course. Uh, If you hired someone that you could have hired two years ago, then you sort of like wasted those two years. But, if you're going to say like you're never going to get, he called it a tier zero hire. Like this was the the top of the top as far as guys you could get, and there was a chance to get them. And they're like, hey, but we got to wait. We'll keep Clay Helton around. We'll fire him when we need to, but we need to really build the infrastructure around him to attract one of our tier zero candidates. And I'll give him credit for that. Like that's not something I thought even thought like, yeah, could you have got Matt Campbell two years ago? Probably, right? I mean, but uh, I don't think you got Lincoln Riley two years ago, so. I think it's a you know sort of like a hail mary pass. Like I mean, there was a risk involved for sure, but you gave yourself a chance at winning the game instead of like maybe going for the tie or whatever. Like they gave themselves a chance and they pulled it off. And so you got to get you know tons of credit uh, to the athletic department for being able to do that. And you know you're going to go back. I, I I think if we you know we ask Brandon or we ask Mike, they you know off the record, I think they would say no. I think we would still do it the same way because of what they ended up with in Lincoln Riley. You know. Um, if they ended up with someone like that was a good candidate, but maybe not like, you know, the, the Lincoln Riley level, maybe they would have said, yeah, we, we could have got this guy two years ago. We could have fired Clay then and just sort of moved on. So there's a lot of circumstances and stuff that happening, but it worked out um, a lot, a lot of years of, of just fans complaining and being upset. And, you know, I'm not going to blame them. There was good reason. I'm just happy to see so many of them happy right now and uh, people on the peristyle getting together it's like the ghostbusters lines like dogs and cats living together mass hysteria like that's what we have on the p right now nice ghostbusters reference now (laughs) lincoln riley also said he wanted to make the coliseum the mecca of college football but then like a little bit later he said you know i don't want to make empty promises etc etc but cats already out of the bag he said the mecca of college football yeah that's that's intense ryan can you see that happening yeah, and it's funny. One of his players said, "You said that to us. Uh, breakups are tough, right? Like <laughs> breakups are hard." Um, the best thing, though, is you, you know what you never do, Ryan. You don't break up over text. True, like Brian Kelly did. Yeah, he did. He did it in person, <laughs> at least, and that and that's part of it. They kept it quiet, which the fact that USC was able to keep it quiet allowed Lincoln Riley to be able to uh, do that. I'm sorry. What was the original question again, Kelly? Was the, <laughs> do you uh, think uh, neck of college football? Yeah, I mean, it it definitely can be, and. We saw that that way with Pete Carroll, you know, the, you forget, like you go into an Arkansas team, you know, on the road at Arkansas with a, they got like three NFL running backs on the squad and just go in and throttle them. And they put up 70 points in the Coliseum on these teams. Like these are good teams that Pete Carroll just 
boat race early in the season. And it's very similar to what Nick Saban does, where his teams come into the season ready. Maybe you can get Nick Saban later on, but early on, you play in one of those out-of-conference games, you are done because he prepares better than you in the offseason. And Pete Carroll did the same thing. I think you can get you can get to that point. And the Pac-12 isn't very good right now. You can dominate the league. You get a, a big win over Notre Dame, um, you know, and it's like, wow, this team is legit. And get into a playoff and, you know, win around. Like, you're going to be thought of as a college football power, like, right away. And I think just, you know, one recruiting class, if you can get a really good one to finish uh, in the next couple weeks, some guys in the transfer portal, you can be a legit team. And then one more recruiting class with, you know, whatever else you want to do. And then it can be like, wow, this can be a, a contender. So, I, yeah, I think they can be uh, at least moving the center from away from the SEC. The SEC is amazing, obviously. There's so many great programs and stuff. But you need sort of like this alternate thing where, like, you know, Clemson was, you know, they're in the South, but they were at least like, hey, there's Clemson. They're really good. Or Ohio State, they're really good. You want another one, you know, want something on the West Coast to kind of spread out college football a little bit because it has, like Shotgun said, it's been pretty regionalized. So it, I think they have the potential to do that where they're going to be a team that everyone's going to look up to. I, th I think it, they sort of, when Pete Carroll was that good, the SEC was like, we need to you know, be able to beat teams like this. And, you know, now they've gone the great run. Uh, but USC can get back there again, I think. Mm -hmm. You mentioned USC's wins early in the season. Could also come late in the season. I don't know, like 55 to 19 or something. <laughs> Those Shaka, are good, too. Shaka, do you love just dropping that? Just drop it in there. Those are good, too. That's, that's for Dan Weber. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Dan Weber loves that score. He does. Um, now, did you guys think it was interesting when Lincoln just dropped in, you know, uh, I asked a couple guys, the plane leaves at six. There's not a written contract yet, but come with me to SC. And a couple guys did, including Alex Grinch, who Lincoln announced will be USC's next defensive coordinator. Uh, Dennis Simmons, the outside wide receivers coach. Ben Wiley, director of sports performance. And then Clark Stroud, who's the director of football operations. Uh, the three of those, uh, the three former names I mentioned, were at practice today with Lincoln Riley. Were you surprised about kind of that fast development of, of, of guys coming with him to Southern California? No, I think that's, that's, that's great. I mean, you're going to bring some guys. There's going to, he said there'll be a few more. Um, so we'll look for those names kind of coming forward. Check out the Peristyle. We've speculated or put some sourcing about, you know, some of the different names that could be coming. Um, but I, yeah, I think it's, I think it's cool. Like you, he's got a good staff together. Alex Grinch was really well thought of when he was out here on the West coast at, at Washington state. I know some people like, Oh, he gives up points. Like if you're going to be a, Oklahoma scoring, you know, with their like top five in scoring the first four or five years or whatever he was there. Um, you're going to put up 42 points a game. The defense is going to give up some points. Like it's just going to happen. Um, we'll see. So they, you know, I think I, I like Alex Grinch as a coach. Um, I think he's, you know, better than what we've seen around USC for quite a while. Uh, so I think, you know, names like that are good, but there's some other big names I think that he could potentially bring with them. But I think for the first time, you're going to see a really professional, competent staff. I'll put together. I know they tried to piece it together later in, in Lane Kiffin's career. I mean, Lane Kiffin, like Clay Helton's career. Man, where am I bringing those names up? <laughs> in Clay Helton's career, uh, you know, with the help of the athletic department. This is going to be, and, and Brandon Sawson talked about this, like they know more about football coaches than we do. Let him go out and make the hires and fires or whatever he wants to do. So, I, I yeah, I think Riley's going to put together a, a killer staff. Uh, it's not that hard to get people to want to move to Los Angeles, you know, and uh, I think it's going to be a, a real good one. You know why you get a phone call, and uh, I think Bruce uh, on, on that Audible podcast, I think I listened to that one as well, um, said Alex Grinch got a phone call at 3.30 in the morning from his agent. <laughs> now, granted, if your agent is calling you at 3.30, it's probably something big. Yeah. 
It's, it's not, hey, mom's calling or right, whatever. Right. It's not a buddy calling drunk or whatever. <laughs> if your agent's calling, it's probably a big deal, and you're going to answer that phone call. But he got a phone call at 3.30. This is the offer. This is what could happen. Plane, plane leaves at 6, or the plane, you know, we're meeting at 6, whatever it was, to get on that flight to, to come to USC. And I think, I think Brandon Sosson said it was still dark when they got to, back to L.A. So that's how early that flight was. You know what that tells me? He's a damn good coach. Yeah. That's why, you know, if you're with one of the top five coaches in the nation, I think I'll go with that guy. Yeah. Unless there's someone saying, if you're a DC, you're saying, oh, can I get a head coach job somewhere? Rather than waiting around and saying, oh, let's see who they hire. Maybe they don't like me. Maybe I get, you know, you get stuck in limbo. And the next guy that comes in, Lane Kiffin's the guy that they should be looking at. Lane Kiffin comes in and he doesn't like Alex Grinch for whatever reason. Now where's Alex Grinch going? You know, all the other jobs are being filled or whatever. So, I, I, you know, if they give you that offer, you go, would you link? Let's go. Yeah. Apparently they got on the plane like in Oklahoma gear and then got off. Like, they had USC gear. So it was sort of like kind of <laughs> crazy. Transformation yeah. plane. Yeah. I was like, all right. Will. Yeah. Um, Private I, flights. You can do whatever you want. Sure. Yeah. Right, yeah. I asked Shock on this on the Family Feud podcast plug. Uh, Ryan, the pair style. Was a little feisty about Alex Grinch becoming USC's next defensive coordinator. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I mean, th obviously you you've kind of come through years and years of complaining about stuff, so you there's you want to <laughs> grab for, onto something. You look for something. Oh, he's bad. Like you know, I think you could look at some of the numbers, especially with you know Georgia has an amazing defense this year, and they don't have that. The offense is like okay, it's fine. It's nothing like when Alabama's changed their offense to go like crazy, score a whole bunch of points, like. You give up points still. Like you can play, you have great defenders, you can play good defense. I think they really tried to upgrade the defensive effort at Oklahoma during Lincoln Riley's time there. And I think it's, you know, you're not going to see the same sort of offenses uh, in the Pac 12. Um, I would just say I, I feel pretty confident that he's going to come in and do some good things. And the good, th you know, the good thing about when you're playing for a Lincoln Riley team, like they are going to score like 42 points. So if you have a bad game and you give up 28 or 31, you're like, you're still going to win, you know? Um, so I feel like it's, I, I wouldn't be too worried if I was a USC fan about Grinch. I mean, just, you know, there's watch what he did at Washington state with these small players, uh, Hercules, Mata Alpha, whatever. Remember him? He was like 250 pound, like defensive tackle that just tore up USC when they were playing them. Um, I like the schemes he had, uh, on defense, and I think he's going to come into USC and do some good things. Shotgun, I know you said on the feed, but say for Tunnel Vision. Yeah, I, I think the fact that he's faced Pac-12 offenses, I think that gives him an advantage. Um, he knows what to face out here. I think the difference is, I think his defense can be better than it was in Oklahoma because you got more fertile recruiting grounds, particularly for the skill positions, if you start with the defensive line. And that's what um, Lincoln Riley, he was asked about it yesterday. You know, how do you fix the defense? He said, the one thing that we've done under Alex Grinch is we've really focused on the defensive line. So that's going to be a big thing for them. So if they can start there, starts with getting zero, Corey Foreman, to live up his, to his potential uh, throughout his the rest of his career at USC uh, and, and some of the other guys that they can bring in, they get a true nose tackle, those things. Starts there, and if they do that, they'll get the skill positions around it. And I, I think that he'll have a little bit better talent at USC, so the defense could be even better than it was at Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. It was interesting. Tuesday was kind of a tryout 
Uh, we saw Alex Wrench walking around, Dennis Simmons as well as as well as Lincoln Riley. I was really curious coming into this practice. Are we going to see some different personalities? Maybe a little bit more communication? Something? What did you guys see from practice? Did it differ any now that there was an extra audience watching? Yeah, I asked Dante Williams if it felt different, and uh, he was like, "Yeah, I mean, he's like, yeah, when there's someone else, there's another coach watching, like you're, you know." It's it's like if you're doing anything, if you're we're playing pickup basketball and a cute girl walks by, you're like, oh, I want to like muscle up and you know <laughs> and score a layup or something. You're trying to impress like the people are watching. You want to impress them, and I think people wanted to try and impress, uh, you know, Lincoln Riley and the staff that had there. But it's still it's just a weird vibe because you have this makeup game that doesn't matter. Neither team can make a bowl. Dante Williams mentioned it's sort of like kind of like your bowl game. Uh, all the focus is on, you know, playing Cal, but all the hoopla and you have this huge press conference the night before. It's nothing about the current team. It's nothing about, hey, Cal, the game's come. No, it's about the future of the program. And the future means everyone that's there is in danger of being gone. So uh, even the players. And so it's just a, it was just a weird sort of vibe where you have this, you know, this guy that's asked to be the savior of the program walking in and sort of observing if you remember like when jt daniels came uh, and he was like at spring practice with his like backpack like watching practice and stuff um and whoever i forget who was like competing at quarterback stuff at the Thinking time Sears. yeah and you're sort of like he's the guy he's gonna come in and save usc football you know he's like watching the current people and the current people are like oh so i'm gonna be replaced you know and if I think the they, whole they had their opportunities. They they put they had plenty of opportunities. And same with this coaching staff, you know. True. And you feel bad because I think individually there's a lot of really good coaches on this staff. I love guys. I mean, like Greg Nivar. Like there's a bunch of really cool dudes on the staff. They didn't have a great leader uh, in Clay Helton, and it was sort of like a piecemeal thing that was all sort of put together. I think guys are going to find some good spots other places. But if you're one of those coaches, you have to be like, well, here's the guy that's coming in and. Uh, most likely cleaning house and you know there's a good chance every one of them uh you know each one of them there's not a you know great chance some you know he might keep a couple he might keep one he might not keep any but most of those guys are going to be gone and i yeah. think everybody knows it mm -hmm. the thing with practice today is uh, or throughout this entire week and on saturday is this is your opportunity if you're the backup that's been complaining these guys don't give me a chance go prove it if you're the star that says I need more balls thrown my way, or I need to be putting better, I need to be blitzing more, or whatever it is, go prove it. Yeah, they're walking around and watching. This is your first opportunity to prove yourself to someone and say that's a guy we got to we got to design something around him. You know, somebody needs to prove that in practice this week. Um, John Jackson had a good play. I think I remember you saw that. It was like, oh, there you go. So he's yeah, good so that's the type of guy who you know we think has been getting open. Go prove it. You'll prove it in practice this week because you've got a new coaching staff coming in that doesn't know anything about you. They have some relationship with some players from recruiting them, but they haven't seen them play in at least a year, if not two, three, four. So go prove it to them. Say, I'm the guy you need to be focused on. And also, I'm the guy for you right this year, next year, the next year after that. I don't need you going and getting a five-star guy and worrying about, I got to get that five-star at that one position because we don't have anybody. No, I'm your guy. I'm your guy. I'm letting you know right now. So this is a huge week of practice. This is a chance to ball out and go give that first impression to the coaches about you're a guy they need to focus on and they need to come and, and say, what can we do to, to make everything work for you?
I thought it was interesting, though. Nick Figueroa said not only are they looking at this week's practice footage, they're going to look at old practice footage, too. Which, if you were kind of caught in that gray area lull of it's an interim coach, the team overall is not playing well, and you just didn't practice that hard, Yeah, Lincoln Riley and his staff is going to be looking at that practice footage. So it's kind of a learning lesson of you should go hard every single snap because you never know who's going to watch that tape. Yeah. Oh, number so-and-so is half-assing it here. Like, eh, I don't, I don't yeah. want him on my team. Yeah. If Lincoln comes to me and asks me that, like, what, look like you're loafing Oh, coach, yeah, bad hamstring that week. My bad. <laughs> My, the hammy. I'm, yeah. all, I'm healed now 100%, 120, 104%. You know? <laughs> and it's funny. We hadn't seen Keaton Slovis dressed for practice, and he did dress today. And you're like, oh, I mean, I don't know if that meant anything. Like, he didn't he didn't throw the ball at any live he drills or anything. He did rehab for most of Yeah, it was mostly rehab. But, it's, but he did more than what we've seen. That's a step forward from where yeah. he been. And I don't know if yeah. it was just like, oh, new coach here, like, Maybe he wants to stay. I don't know. Uh, but maybe, you know, show, hey, I'm not going to just be like on the sidelines. I'm going to get out there and do a little. Yeah. And we've been asked this question, the questions about Keen Slowis' future. And most most of the things, most of the things we had heard and kind of, you know, what the expectation was is he's probably gone. You know, especially with the way the quarterback situation was handled, whether it be to the NFL, whether it be the transfer portal, whatever it may be, that it was more than likely he was leaving. That's what I've heard from inside the locker room. That's what kind of the players expect uh, from Keaton. However, if you're Keaton and you look at it now, it depends on the draft grade that he gets. I'm sure he will get a draft grade and it'll be, that will be a big thing. But if you look at it and you go, see all those other quarterbacks in the system? Do I fit like any of them? Now, he doesn't have the athleticism of Kyler Murray or some of those guys, but they throw the ball a ton. They throw it to the receivers. He could look at it and be like, I could, I could, I could play in this offense. I yeah. could put up forty-five points a game. I got no problem with that. And if he does that, his stock rises. Sure, similar to a Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts gets moved down the depth chart. Tua takes over, um, and you know he goes to Oklahoma. And that final year ends up getting him drafted. I think third or fourth round. So uh, maybe Keaton sees an opportunity there that he wants to come back and compete. Don't know that that's the case. That's not you know anything that I've heard in the last couple of days. But that is something to, to keep an eye on, whereas a guy that we probably expected to be leaving after this year, maybe he decides that this wasn't a great year, but next year with Lincoln Riley, it could be much different. Yeah. We've gotten multiple questions about this in the chat about the future, uh, Dante Williams' future. He was actually asked about it multiple times today in his post-practice uh, press conference. What do you have to say about uh, his future? It seemed like the answer really was just, I'm focused on Cal. Everything he said was, I'm focused on Cal. And, you know, to be to give credit, he's, he wants to honor the seniors, the people that worked really hard and try to make you know, every game count. Uh, they want to win this game. They want to go out and win this game. Um, you know, it was, it's tough. You know, he said he hadn't talked to, you know, Lincoln Riley about any of that stuff yet. They'll, they'll figure that. They met him. He said it was great. He had, he started off at his press conference complimenting Lincoln Riley all over the place. Um, but he said, he said they, and I, I know you might not read too much into it, but it's... I a, read it as talking about the players. Yeah. To me, it just sounded like maybe getting a little bit distant, like it's it's his team now. It's not my team anymore. Maybe that sort of thing. I don't know. It's it's obviously a weird situation. Um, we normally get a whole bunch of players. We just had like a scrum of four guys today. Um, and, you know, they, they were talking about getting ready for Cal too. But Dante Williams, pretty much every word out of his mouth was... Something about getting ready for Cal. Every question sort of went that way. And it's tough. He's been put in a, you know, it's a great opportunity to be the head coach at USC, but it's a really difficult situation if it's something that really you haven't been qualified for. And they asked him to do it. And, you know, he, I think he did his best uh, the whole way. He's got a couple days left and his uh, reign of running USC football will be over. And then we'll have to see, uh, you know, where he ends up. If he's still on the staff, 
gonna be out recruiting whatever he's gonna be doing uh, we'll see uh, mm-hmm. but yeah it's it was a weird one today just you know hearing him talk about it. but I think it was the right move just say hey we're focusing on Cal he's not talking about the future and all that kind of stuff because he's not the one controlling anymore now it's in uh, Lincoln Riley's hands mm-hmm. now you mentioned recruiting that's something that uh, you asked Lincoln Riley about uh, Ryan on Monday the early signing period is looming, looming and he said well we're going to do a lot of it meaning recruiting yeah. and he wasn't lying he was he, he did an in-home visit that very night with Relique Brown and then USC actually got a commitment today uh, so you guys can take that away we, we've gone 47 minutes in this show and haven't mentioned that USC got a five-star quarterback commitment <laughs> yeah. from Southern California, the number two player in the country in the 2023 class. Yeah. Which it's, tells you, uh, Ryan mentioned at the beginning of the show, it's been crazy. It's been hectic the last 48 hours or so, 72 hours. And that just kind of tells you, uh, you know, where it's been at. You know, it's been a crazy on the recruiting trail, and we've barely even mentioned it so far. Yeah, yeah. When, I, when I asked Lincoln Riley, it was sort of a two-part thing. I was like, hey, does the early signing period impact your – the timing or decision, and he didn't seem like it did, but I think it does. Uh, just, I mean, that's why things are moving as fast as they are. But he said we're going to do a lot of it. Now we didn't get a confirmation that he would be hosting official visitors this coming weekend, but he's already done uh, in-home stuff, and there's going to be a lot of that going on. Um, it's you're already seeing. There's been a few guys decommitted from USC's 2022 class. It's going to be completely reshaped, and I think there's going to be. This is the best case scenario for USC. There's not a lot of coaches that USC could have hired that could move the recruiting needle right away. And meaning right away, that you only have two weeks until the signing period's up, uh, the early signing period. This is a th- he was one of those guys because he recruited Southern California so well. Um, I think we're gonna you know the 2023 Malachi Nelson like the the you know Losal uh, quarterback. Uh, there's a group of guys that were committed to. Uh, Oklahoma from there. The fact that he decommitted and switched to USC that quickly, it's amazing. But that's 2023, which we expected. The 2022 stuff is going to be really interesting because if the the more guys he can sign that are blue chip players that USC was not going to get otherwise, he can build that up. It's sort of a base going forward to build the program. It's not like he needs to like hit the portal as hard because you don't have anyone in this class. If you signed him, if you signed Lincoln Riley like two weeks from now after signing day and USC had like the number 60th ranked class or something, yeah, like there's a big hole. He can fill that hole now. And I think it makes it easier to grow the program and, and be, try to become a power just because you didn't, you've already skipped basically two classes out of the last three, right? You had two pretty bad classes. Or one 20, and a half. 2020 and then this year could have been the second in three years. Um, so making sure that doesn't happen is huge for them. Yeah. Um, you know, especially the extra COVID year gives you some options as well with some guys that could potentially come back. But we're hearing that some of those older guys may decide to move on, whether it be either just to finish their career or to, to transfer into the transfer portal. So we'll see how that kind of plays out as things goes forward. But it's huge. And they're already there's so much traction because he had already been recruiting Southern California hard. Yeah. So it's not like he's coming and hey, my base was Texas, and now I got to make some new inroads, which is actually what happened with the last class is they didn't have those connections necessary or the last recruiting, uh, excuse me, coaching staff, the defense staff that was brought in, they had to start making those inroads, and it was unfortunately bad timing with the pandemic that they couldn't go out to spring practices and stuff like that. And that's how you build those relationships with coaches. He's already got those. He'd been to, you know, uh, been to Bishop Alamany and Los Alamitos and all these schools where there's prospects at uh, modern day and the St. John Bosco's, all those. He'd been out to those and visited, you know, had made an appearance at least during the spring, you know, his coaching staff as well, 
to see those practices. So they have those connections already. They can call on those. And they're already in on a number of big-time prospects. And we'll see what USC ends up with in this class. Obviously, the big name that is a Oklahoma commit is Relique Brown. And they didn't even sleep in a bed in California. <laughs> and they're already – 6 a.m. flight. Alex Grinch gets a phone call at 3.30 in the morning. And, you know, they're they're out recruiting. Uh, he, and uh, I think it was uh, Riley and um, Dennis Simmons were out to visit Relique Brown yesterday at night after – Three hours of press conferences and all that type of stuff, and Lincoln Riley's still on on the on the move. So, no, if it's coffee or what kind of caffeine he's on, but I'm sure he had a lot of it. Yeah, you got Devontae <laughs> Jackson, the five-star uh, cornerback or defensive back. You know, had dropped was longtime commit, dropped USC. Uh, looked like Michigan would be a player, certainly Alabama. He comes out with a top two today, and it's USC and Alabama. Like, you might get him back. I mean, there's there's a lot of things at play. It's going to be a crazy two weeks. Ahead of, you know, building the staff and this recruiting class, and I think any guy that he signs in this class is just, it's like gravy. Like, you just didn't expect, this was a class that was going to be a throwaway class. You just didn't yeah. expect someone to be able to come in in time and salvage it, and it's not even going to be salvaging. It's going to be building something like a top 10 class. It, yeah. yeah, which yeah. is, if you go from, like, unranked <laughs> whatever to a top 10 class or something, like, that's insane. So uh, it's just going to make it all the much easier for him to kind of build the program he wants to build that if he was hired three weeks from now and he didn't get to sign this class. Or even if it was a different coach, you know, some of the other names that were thrown out, Matt Campbell, some of those who Matt Campbell, you know, they, Iowa State wasn't recruiting Southern California. If he comes in and you're looking at it from the outside in USC, I don't know where they're at, 60 something or 70 something, um, you know, before this hiring, you would look at it and you'd be like, if you can get it up to the 30s, that's doing a great huge. job. Yeah, that'd be huge. You know, that's getting, you know, closing and getting some, you know, notable recruits and keeping the ones that you have. Well, USC actually had three decommitments today. What does that tell you? Is that bad news for USC or is that good news for USC? It's a little bit of both. Um, I feel bad because two of the local kids, Ephesian Prysock and Kevin Green Jr., are two kids that I've watched three, four, five times this season at Bishop Alamany. Both great kids. Um, Kevin Green is. You know, a smaller kid, wide receiver, but as tough as nails. Ephesians Prysock is a bigger potential player. Got a lot of projection there. Um, but this staff is probably looking at it and coming in. And part of the reason you see those two and then a three-star wide receiver, Caleb Douglas, decommit is because they're probably looking at it like, we think we can land guys that are higher on their board, guys that they've been recruiting more because they yeah. haven't hasn't necessarily been recruiting those three guys at Oklahoma Whereas they've been re recruiting Relique Brown, who was committed to Oklahoma. They've been recruiting some of these other big-name players. And I, I think they're going to crush it in Southern California with the connections they already have. So I think they feel very confident in what they can get the rest of this class. So we'll see where it goes. But, uh, you know, it's a good start for the 2023 class. Getting yeah. oh, Malachi yeah. Nelson, getting a quarterback. He can be the leader of the class. Plus, he's got two teammates. One of them is a five-star. One of Maybe both of them are five-stars. Or one of them is a five and one is a four-star receivers. In Makai Lemon and DeAndre Moore, who were both committed to Oklahoma. Makai Lemon has already decommitted. I would expect him to end up at USC. Uh, loves USC. He needed USC to give him a reason. That's the thing. Yeah. There were so many kids in Southern California, big name players, that needed a re just they the just money. needed USC yeah. to give him a reason to stick around, to stay in Southern California. They want to. Just, yeah. I, but you know the way we've the, seen recruiting. the inconsistencies, the, the the player development. I don't know that I can stick around. It's not going to be best for me in my future. I want to. I love USC. Yeah. I grew up watching Reggie Bush highlights, all that. But now they have a reason. Yeah. 
a big one, especially if you're an offensive player. And I, I mean, we've seen a lot of coaching changes. I think it's pretty rare. Like you said, blue blood to blue blood. It's rare that you can hire a head coach and they get a five-star commitment like the next day. Like that's, I mean, when does that happen? Like it takes time to build the relationships and stuff. Like you don't like, oh, a coach comes in, okay, five-star, you switch over. And it's like, that just doesn't happen. Uh, that's the uniqueness of the situation that you, you get a guy from Oklahoma who recruits your backyard better than you do. And then, you know, that's going to be the only be a big situation where you've seen a number of guys change commitments is probably Vanderbilt to Penn State when James Franklin went. Um, that's the only one I can think of where there was kind of a mass. And there was some questions about that. And there's probably some questions about the Oklahoma. But I think it tells you how much players were committed to the idea of playing for Lincoln Riley and in that offensive system and for the coaches that he had that he makes an announcement and almost immediately there are decommitment, decommitment, decommitment. Yeah. It's not like, well, let me think about it for a couple of weeks. And, you know, and I decided this, nope, just a, you know, I think there was five or six or seven decommitments from the next, from this class and the next class. So I think that tells you the power of Lincoln Riley and what he did at Oklahoma. And we'll see if he can recapture it, capture that at USC as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We had an interesting question on YouTube from Andrew who said, Lincoln Riley was all over Fox today. Do you think he will embrace the media and give you guys more access? So Mike Bone said they're going to keep being media friendly. Um, you know, Lincoln Riley wasn't known to be, you know, super great with the media as far as like making players available and things like that. But you were the only game in town and now you're in a town that has, you know, profession, two professional sports of every sp professional sports team. Um, it's just been more open here. Now, Chip Kelly's closed some things down, but they still have uh, a bunch of availability um, but the, the athletic department was saying like, they're going to keep it like it's been. So, uh, that's probably part of something they had talked to Lincoln Riley about, Maybe, you know, we'll, we'll see Well, we'll, you know, when we get some spring practices and things like that, he's been open so far, but obviously this is just the introductory yeah. stuff. And he, you know, he was at practice today, saw media watching practice, you know, that's probably a foreign concept to him. I don't think it's something you just couldn't do. Uh, at Oklahoma. So. Chris tweeted out the video of him walking onto the onto Howard Jones, and I think uh, Oklahoma fans started to get that in their in their uh, feed because they were like looking at all the windows around the practice field, and they're like, "Lincoln's probably freaking out in his mind because like <laughs> get frosted windows and stuff like that." So because yeah, they had the whole thing with the the dorms getting frosted windows, so nobody could see the practice field, and then the Oklahoma student paper. Uh, finding a way to watch practice from a building and seeing that Caleb Williams was getting first-team reps and he shut down all media availability. So hopefully he's learned from those lessons. Yeah. And I, I think the, the difference here is that the USC administration understands the importance of media availability yeah. in a city like Los Angeles yeah. and have done a great job. I, again, commend the way USC handled everything yesterday. I thought it was great the way they set it up with you know the speakers the Q&A session and then the breakout media scrums so everyone could kind of get what they want. And then the, you know, the news media, the, uh, the broadcast media stations were able to get a couple questions with Lincoln Riley, Lincoln Riley as well to get one-on-one -on -one stuff. So I thought they, did, they handled that great. I think Lincoln Riley handled himself great. You know, because we, we've seen Drake London and, and Keaton Slovis and some of the guys that have gone to media day. And Drake London, I, I joked with him at the end of media day, he was just worn down by it. It's yeah. it's yeah. it's a it's exhausting. It's a burden to to be out there for you know six hours or eight hours or whatever it is and, and be constant. And Lincoln Riley kind of went through that car wash yesterday. And hey, he's used to it. He's gone done the ESPN uh, car wash and whatnot previously. So uh, I just thought that they did a great job. And I, it looks like he. It, I hope that he's going to be open to it because we don't want to have a contentious relationship with him. And you know we hope to potentially have him on the show at one point. That would be great. Yeah, we'll yeah. try. It.
Uh, Ryan Fox on YouTube wondered, uh, how many players can SC pick up in the portal? What's the limit? There is no technical limit. No. Um, it's as many uh, initial counter scholarships as you have. So you have the 25 that each you have each class, and then I believe it is this season seven. that you are allowed seven extra that you can potentially pick up from the transfer portal um, if you have seven exit, I think is the rule. Um, I don't know if this is only going to be a 2021 rule because of COVID and whatnot. I don't know exactly the, the verbiage on it and everything, but that means that USC could pick up up to 32. And you're thinking, oh, are they going to pick up 32 transfers? No, they're not going to do that. But they could pick up as many as they want there, and maybe they save some room in the class um, on early signing period to look for transfers going forward. But there are some schools that have done it. Texas State had a transfer-only class last year. <laughs> so it, it's it has it is, there is a precedent set for a, a team to do that. So they could get up to thirty two. That would be the max they get. Yeah. Um, am I actually going to jump into questions? We've been kind of doing topics, and it's already the top of the hour. So yeah. I'm going to jump into questions. Probably rapid fire. Yeah, let's so rapid gentlemen, fire. Yeah. Let's keep it that we'll way. Do Why do you keep staring at me like that? <laughs> Jesse on Facebook said, "Who do you feel will return on USC's defensive line?" Uh, Nick Figueroa has already announced that he's coming back for the, his sixth year, I believe it is. He uh, was in the presser after practice today, and he was beaming. He looked so excited by the he news. He did seem pretty happy. Yeah, yeah. yeah but he, he's what now they didn't say exactly what uh, you know Jackson Dart. He was they were asked, and it's weird when you put four people up at once and one person is speaking, the other three, and someone actually had that comment is they looked they didn't look like they were happy. Uh, no, I, I think it was just that's kind of what happens when you have four people up at once. And Jackson Dart was asked about what was said in the meeting because Lincoln Riley met the team for the first time yesterday, had a team meeting with them, um, and didn't want to say, didn't want to give that away. But Nick Figueroa was obviously excited about what came out of that meeting and what he thinks the potential is going forward. Um, and he, I asked him, I asked him and Kanai because both those guys have a decision to make about whether to come back, whether to do something else. Kanai said it's not going to affect him at all that Lincoln Riley is a coach. He's going to sit down with his family and make that decision later. Nick has already kind of told us that he was going to be coming back. So he said, I've already kind of planned on that. And he said, and I asked him after that if he's recruiting his teammates. He said, yeah, I'm definitely recruiting a bunch of guys to, to try to stay and, and keep them here. So uh, he'll definitely be a big one on the defensive line if he can be healthy. Drake Jackson, I do not expect to return. Um, and we'll see where the, the transfer portal is if they push some guys out. Uh, we'll see you know, some guys that have been injured and haven't been out there. But I think everyone else will be should be coming back, whether unless they they see a better opportunity somewhere else or don't think that they will have a chance uh, to to get any playing time at USC. We got a question um, from Alex on YouTube who said, um, "In two to three years, when we look back, who made the better hire in 2021, USC or LSU?" I think it's USC for sure. Uh, we don't know. I mean, obviously, it could if. Brian Kelly goes wins a national championship in year one at, at uh, LSU. Then, uh, but I just I feel like LSU's thing was like we need a big name. It doesn't necessarily have to be a big name that that fits, um, and it might fit. But it's just everyone, I, the, all the podcasts I've listened to, the the national media guys I've talked to, he's a big time coach. I mean, he's done great things, and you sort of can run your court. Twelve years at Notre Dame is a long time, and LSU every coach they've hired has won a championship. So I think there's potential there. But if you just look on paper, like all the connections that Lincoln Riley already had to Los Angeles, the way he was recruiting and everything, it just it just seemed like it fit and it flowed. And it, it to me, just on the on the surface, made more sense than Brian Kelly going to LSU. It was both were head scratchers, but you know, if you look at the 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 Lincoln Riley stuff, like, okay, I can see that. That's making sense. 
And the Brian Kelly one is sort of like, it might be a little square peg, round hole sort of thing. Uh, we'll see. I mean, I think he can have great success there. But just on on the surface, I would say uh, the USC hire looks, you know, a little more, uh, I, I'd rank it a little higher. Both are great, but I'd, I'd rank the USC one a little higher. Shoddy, quick thoughts? Lincoln Riley. Well done. Very quick. Um, Sorry. We got a question from Riley on YouTube who said, uh, will Drake London stay another year? I believe we got that question on Facebook as well. Yeah. Um, I don't think so. I don't think so either. Selfishly, I hope he does. He's but enjoyed it, it covered. Cool. It would be cool. Uh, I mean, he's done so much, but it's sort of like, ooh, like I could be in an offense where I don't have to make contested catches all the time, and I could put up amazing numbers. But, you know, he's going to make his money. Um, you know, we'll see. I will I, verbally berate him if he decides to come back to USC. Like, this is dumb. <laughs> no, do not do this. Go get your money. Um, and, and be set, uh, especially if he if he's going to be a potential first round pick, second round pick, make that money and be a millionaire. There you go. Uh, Brandon on YouTube said, now that Lincoln Riley is at USC, do you think? Oh, we just covered that. Sorry, I was looking at. <laughs> sometimes shotgun helps me out, and uh, I picked one that we already did. Uh, Angel asked Ryan a question though. He said, "Did did you ask Lincoln if he knows the fight song?" Yeah, uh, Ryan. Why didn't you ask him that? <laughs> Uh, I mean, I assume he didn't know. Like he didn't. I mean, he didn't know. I don't much. know. He w he was so in awe of L.A. and of USC in the program history that maybe he learned it pretty quick. Yeah, he. I mean, he <laughs> knew like Matt Leinart by name and stuff. Leinart was sitting like right in front of me. Leinart was funny. So he turns around um, and gives me like a fist bump and stuff. And he just had the smile on his face, like he was there with his son and his, his wife and stuff. And just you could tell. I get it. We've. It's funny. He's he's a good dude, and we've been texting and stuff during this the. the uh, the search and I actually ran into him locally here at a, a car wash and talked to him for a little while. Um, but he was just beaming, you know, I didn't get to see Mark Sanchez, but like Matt Liner was extremely happy about this hire. So it's pretty cool. There were, there were not a ton of former players there, but there were a handful of former players there. And from some texts that I received and uh, some messages on social media, former players are ecstatic, right? Yeah. Now. Super excited. I had one come up yesterday and said, F yeah. Let's go. And just super excited. And like I would just come up to say hello. And that that was the greeting. That was the greeting there. So I was just like, whoa, okay. And that tells you what everyone thinks. And these are former players. You know, some guys have been in the Pete Carroll era. The, I think they see in Lincoln Riley something potentially special like they had during that Carroll run. So interesting. That's a good observation there. Yeah. Alex on YouTube said, How can USC keep Brandon Sosna? He seems amazing. God, you guys going to pump up his ego. It's really <laughs> insufferable. That was hard to read, I got to say. I'm just kidding. No, we love, I mean, we love Brandon. Uh, he's great. And it's funny. Like, when he came here two years ago, was it before the Holiday Bowl? He came I at the, the, the Holiday Bowl. That he came at the Holiday Bowl, appearance. yeah. Like, it, you know, he was, he gets it. Like, he reached out to local members of the media. I mean, me being one of them. I think it was the first guy he met. We met for like a beer in Hermosa Beach and just sort of like, met him and talked to him and our, our guy at Cincinnati kind of recommended uh, that he talked to me and uh, he reads the message boards. He understands from a fan's point of view, what's going on. He's been there. He was that guy. Um, and so I think if you're a, you're a fan that you love these podcasts or video shows or the, you know, the message boards, he's there, he's doing that, you know? Um, and so he's, I think he's a man of the people, but he's also smart enough and cunning enough to know how to play the game and, and, and run a, an athletic department like a business like it should be and just be professional about it. And USC just hasn't had that for a long time. So, yeah, I think he's great for uh, 
for the athletic department. And I think he's, you know, a great compliment with Mike Bone. I don't know. I mean, I guess he met with the Detroit Lions before. Uh, there's going to be people that want to hire him. And I think the showing he put on and being, you know, Mike Bone called him the architect of the search to get Lincoln Riley. Like that's only going to put more accolades on his uh, resume. And I think other people will certainly to go, go after him. To yeah. go with Luke Fickle at Cincinnati. Yeah. With like, that duo hired there. But, that one's worked out pretty well for him. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, he's a, he's definitely a rise. He's young. He's a, a you know, a rising star. Uh, yeah. We, for selfishly, we want him to stay around. I mean, he's a, He's he's a good dude, and uh, you know, obviously does good work. I mean, Rick Caruso, the the board of trustees chairman, chairman of um, said, "I don't know if it was a joke." Actually, said that he offered uh, Brandon a an, a job in his real estate company right, yeah. earlier in the day. I think he was serious. I think he was. Too. I mean, he's the guy that developed the Grove. You know, like he's he, yeah, he the, said it with a with a ha ha. But I think it was like well, yeah. I tried. So yeah. so some billionaire wants to like hire him away from the school that he's Casual. the chairman of the board of. So like he's already working for him. And he's like, no, I want to do it for my personal business. You know, like, seems like a meant, stamp of approval. Thought he meant to ask me that question, but yeah. maybe he just looked over wrong person. Rick Russo, if you need Shadi to run something, <laughs> you know, I will gladly offer a shotgun to Rick Wow. <laughs> Wow, getting pushed out the door. We got an interesting question from Carter on YouTube who said, who was the first celebrity to hit the Trojan sidelines in 2022? 21? So we saw saw Will Ferrell in the Coliseum, at least on the video board, to give, uh, you know, say goodbye to uh, Tim Tessalone Tessalone, because he was an intern for Tim Tessalone back in the day. Um, I don't know. I think there's going to be celebrities coming out. I mean, you might see a Snoop. You might. I mean, there's a bunch of dudes. I mean, we'll see. No, I think it's. A, I highlighted this question because I think it's really interesting. Um, and if you're a college football fan, you saw some of those yesterday when you get Mark Sanchez and Matt Leinart there. Um, but you know, Reggie Bush down the tunnel. If we're counting football players, that would that would be pretty good. Yeah. Start there. He's he's around. He's he's local. <laughs> uh, we we got a question um, from Alex who said, "Who will win the 2024 USC LSU game?" We're doing two-year predictions right now. Jeez. Yeah. Well, how, here's a better question. Will Lincoln Riley and Brian Kelly be the two head coaches in that game? <laughs> Ooh. I would assume so. I would think. You know, um, you know, NFL teams could have already come after Lincoln Riley. They could try to take him away, you know, at some point. And True. Same thing with Brian Kelly. There's potential there. But, you know, I, yeah, I think two years from now, you make those huge hires that are going to be eight, ten-year contracts, whatever they are. Yeah, I think they're going to stick around. But. I don't know. Uh, I'll take USC. I think they're gonna. It's 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 in Las Vegas. I'm going this week. I'm going uh, to see Allegiant Stadium on Friday. I'm going to cover the uh, the Pac-12 championship. Game. Yeah, I was gonna go, but then USC went four and seven. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we were we were ready to go. I'm like I'm covering this thing anyway. Uh, so David on Facebook is airing out some complaints. He says, oh. "I hate the freaking air raid." I need to be proven wrong. Is that a fair concern with many question marks? Okay, so this is a different era. Did you w- watch Oklahoma football? They run the hell out of the football. It's uh it's a physical I think it's a physical offense too, the way you see. It's it's a spread, you know, it's there's air raid concepts, but the NFL teams, like if you talk to any of the the X's and O's experts guys, every NFL team has taken pieces of what Lincoln Riley's done at Oklahoma. That's why the people have looked at him like, you're seeing this is just a modern offense. It's not, this isn't Mike Leach's air raid where you hand the ball off once every 10 snaps. Like they run the ball, uh, spread stuff. You can have mobile quarterbacks. I mean, he had two Heisman winners and one runner up in three years. 
Like, okay, so if you don't like that offense, like if you want, I want fullback and I want, okay, it's fine. You want to score 12 points a game, like you're not going to win anything in college football. Like, you can have, a, you know, seven linemen out there, but you're going to be Illinois with Brett Bilama. <laughs> Do you want that and go, what was the score of that Penn State game with nine overtimes or eight overtimes? It was bad. It was like in the 20s. Yeah. Do you want that or do you want That's when we were in, 38 uh, Chicago, I think. Yeah. 42, 43, 45 and 48 points per game because that's what Lincoln Riley Not did. Not one in good game. That's per game per for game. a season and so hardware. Do over, you want Heisman's? Do you want more Heisman's? You don't do it by putting a fullback in there and, you know. Over 5 years he's basically averaged 44 points a game. Somewhere in that, in 44, 43, 44 points. That's How many times has USC scored 44 points in the last three years? Like three, maybe? Off the top of my head? That's a research question to anyone. Mm. Yeah. In, like in the not averaging it over five years, like doing it once or twice over three years. Like, so you, if you hate the concepts of it, watch what Oklahoma does. If you just think it's, I just throw the ball over the field, like that's just not the, that's not what it is. Yeah. They run counter. They're going to pull the guard and the tackle at the same time. They got some really unique schemes off of some of their plays that they run. Um, Play action stuff. Like it's like, yeah. there's stuff that you would like. Like, did you like what Norm Chow was doing? Like, I mean, there was some cool stuff there. Like one of, one of the of... videos that I watched, so I try to do as much research on Lincoln Riley. I watched a lot of YouTube videos was when Urban Meyer was still working for Fox. And he said, he's doing a lot of stuff that I've never even seen. I don't know. That sounds like a pretty good compliment from a guy who's won multiple national championships. That seems like a decent Maybe. comment. In the same vein, I thought this was funny from Alan on Facebook. He said, a few weeks ago, I semi-jokingly asked if Shotgun could do a film study comparing USC's offense to Oklahoma to see how things are supposed to work. So um, <laughs> could we actually maybe get that film study? <laughs> Um, I, I got to see if I can get some Oklahoma games downloaded or whatever so that I can try to do it on my, my uh, TV at home. Because nice. you have so much time on your hands right now, right, might, That might be something for the next couple of weeks, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see what it did. There's going to be no film study this week. Sorry, guys. It's just no, not possible. Shotgun, well, how could there's, you? There's some things you normally do. Like, Literally. No. I usually put out a story with like the opening line for the game. Like All these things are like getting skipped this no, week. No, no, because... no. Literally, I normally watch the game on Sunday. Then I watch the game probably four to five to six more times in total as I'm doing my participation, as I'm doing everything else. I haven't turned the game on yet <laughs> because it's been too crazy. On Sunday, I was like, okay, I'm going to go through some clothes and find some goodwill, you know, just kind of thin out the, thin the herd a little bit. And then I was like, oh, I'll watch the game and then go in, into the studio to do tunnel. While I'm doing that, the news breaks and I'm like, yeah, what's going on? Let's go and start just writing stuff and. Yeah, I, I literally uh, in our group text, I said, somebody tell me what to do because I'm kind of like frozen. I don't, I'm just, there's so much stuff going on. I'm just scrolling through Twitter and retweeting stuff. I need it, I need some direction. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, we got a question from Scott from Eastern Washington who said, it was expected that there would be a mass exodus after the season through the transfer portal. Do you still think that will happen? And what's interesting is I think we will still see portal X, X, an exodus. But just for a different reason. I think it's more internally based rather than this place is on the decline and I want to leave. I think it's either going to be I don't fit in this or I've been kind of whisked away or asked to kind of uh, find other pastures, if yeah. that makes sense. There's going to be guys that are run off. Like, when you have a coaching change, there's going to be players that are run off. There's going to be players that are going to leave because they're like, yeah, this isn't what I signed up for. Like, Or it's not the system that I fit in or yeah, whatever it may be. all that kind of stuff. I mean, Clay Helton for, you know, he was still popular with the players and yes, is it, are you going to have the best team if the discipline really isn't there? And 
uh, the accountability and that stuff. You know, your, your team's probably not going to be as good, but there's going to be some players that would rather be in that kind of a system where it's like, oh, you know, I can still do this. I can still do that. Oh, I'm going to have to like follow all these rules. Like, yeah, that's not really for me, which is fine. Like if that's a, but you know, now you're changing the culture. You're going to try to change the culture around the football program. You're going to change it. And there's some players that aren't going to like that. So I think players will leave. There's going to be a, a massive amount of turnover, I think, on this roster. Players transferring in, players transferring out uh, for various reasons. So when when someone says, hey, I de decommitted from that school, you know, most of the time it wasn't that he decommitted. It was that the school dropped them or whatever. Like, there's going to be some of that. Like, not most of the time. Maybe not sometimes. Some, some of the time, yeah. It, in recruiting, often now it's kind of half and half. So sometimes gonna, it's the, the team pushing a player out. Sometimes it's a player looking for greener pastures. So you'll see guys enter the portal for a variety of reasons. But there's there's going to be turnover and significant turnover, just any kind of coaching change, because you're changing everything uh, you know, about the program that this player signed up to be in. So this was developing as we started to go on air. Oh. Uh, so I don't know how many, how much we'll be able to speak into it. We we have received so many questions <laughs> about Roy Manning and that whole situation. What can you guys even speak about at this point, since it's been developing kind of simultaneously right now? Yeah. So apparently he's was recruiting, you know, cornerbacks coach for Oklahoma. Damani Jackson told Greg Biggins that Roy Manning was recruiting him as well as I think Lincoln Riley. Yeah. So that comment has spurned everything uh, from there. He's still on the staff at Oklahoma. So then is there a conflict of interest, all this type of stuff? And some people are asking, is it an NCAA violation? I don't even know if it's actually a violation. Um, may, I, I'm not sure. I don't know for sure. And, and we I haven't had time to research this. So. Yeah, we interview prospects all the time that say stuff that aren't not true. Like, like oh, this coach. And like, that's, he doesn't even exist. Like <laughs> sometimes you know, that some, does happen. Yeah, you know, so it might have been confusion. Like who knows? And Oklahoma compliance tweeted out uh, eye emojis with the one hundred thing. <laughs> so people are getting all over that. Uh, I saw there is a lot of Oklahoma fans that were bit you know in the the YouTube chat. There are some that have been great. There's some that are just you know they're bitter. It's breakups suck. You know it's bad. Like no matter <laughs> what happens, like uh, you know. But Oklahoma's going to go out and steal somebody else's coach, and then you're like it's going to be fine. Um, but yeah, it's. It, it's you know you don't want to see a fan base get upset like that. Uh, it's completely understandable. There's going to be bitter feelings, but that's just the, you know sort of the way it is. Um, if they go out and take Matt Campbell away from Iowa State or something, and you know then you, do you care that you made the Iowa State fans upset? You know it's just it's one of those things where it's just it's the kind of the nature of the of the beast. But you know Oklahoma, it's great. I mean, great program. You you know you wish them well. Uh, I genuinely think that Lincoln Riley. Uh, you know, loved his time there, you know, really was trying to do everything he could to win. And it just was like this perfect storm situation. And that's why he ended up leaving. Yeah. The whole Roy Manning situation, go back to that real quick is oh, yeah. we, we haven't had time to do the research and really dive into it. It happened as we were basically going to air. So all the questions do we know? I don't, like I said, don't know if it's even an NCAA recruiting violation. Could it be something that you know, maybe he was hoping to be on USC staff or had been told that, yeah, we're going to bring you in and maybe USC doesn't now that could potentially play out. There's a lot of things that could happen, but um, you know, and there's also been some similar situations a little bit where it hasn't really, it's been like a slap on the wrist for the NCAA. And again, like I said, I don't know if it's actually a recruiting violation or just a big, like, what are you doing, dude? What are you type doing? Of situation. Dude? Yeah. Oh, we got a question on Facebook from Mike who said, when will we know the details about his contract? 
So we asked about it yesterday, or some some reporters did, and uh, they're not being shared. It's private school, so you don't have to know. We might not know for a couple of years till like the three tax return years, comes out. I yeah. think it's three years after. Um, I've been told some numbers. I'm going to hold off on that. Still working on confirmation of that. But it's up there if the, those numbers are true. I've also been told that Brian Kelly's is not as big as some people were trying to report it was either. Oh, they were saying it was a somebody 10 year said, 95 million or something. Some, no, somebody said it was 15 million a year. And I was like, oh, mm. I think they released it was like 10 years, 95 yeah, million. That's what I had actually heard. Which so I, didn't, I didn't see the, that had been released, but yeah, that was the numbers I'd been thrown. That at. seems to be the going rate. Like yeah. that's what Mel Tucker got. If the, you know, Brian Kelly got it, you know, James Franklin got something similar. And Brandon Sosten had said it's, you know, it's in the competitive landscape. So my guess is it's going to be a $10 million a year kind of thing, but you know, maybe it was more. I don't know. I believe it to be a little bit more. Wow. All right. But we'll, we'll see. We're trying to trying to confirm those numbers and whatnot. But, uh, you know, definitely, he definitely got paid. USC went out, spent the money, did what they had to do to bring in a top five coach in the country. And when's the last time you could say anything like that about USC outside of, you know, some of their lesser, you know, sports um, with their less revenue sports at USC? Yeah. We had multiple questions. One, do you think Caleb Williams will follow Lincoln Riley to USC? Put, and you can put it up. I, two, yeah. do you think Dart uh, will go through the transfer portal if so? It's like you have two like freshman phenom quarterbacks at different programs, but then the coach goes from one to the other. If he brings his guy, I'm I don't out. think he's bringing – I'm out. If he brings Caleb Williams, he's not bringing him to be a backup, and Caleb Williams yeah. is not coming to be a backup. And if you're Jackson Dart – you're like, well, I, you know, I'm, I've already started games. Like, where do I want to go? Yeah. This is this is the era where you're not like, well, I'll wait and see if I can beat them out. It's it's really you just kind of go. Yeah, because you get a, you get a free transfer. Basically, I mean, a free transfer. You get to transfer one time without recourse from the NCAA. You don't have to sit out a year or anything. And if you're already in the starting lineup at a place, and they bring in somebody else in front of you, you're gonna be like, all right, I think I can start somewhere else that's comparable, and you go try to find that. So if he does bring in Caleb Williams. And it's not that there's an extra quarterback or another talented quarterback because I think Bo Jackson Dart and Miller Moss are open to competition, definitely willing to compete, try to win that job. But if it's, hey, he's bringing in his guy, a guy yeah. that's already been in the system that he's already played over an older guy and Spencer Rattler, then you're like, okay, that's probably – I'm out of here. The more interesting and intriguing one to me is if Spencer Rattler, who's already declared and gone in the transfer portal, if he decided to come to USC – how that would play out. Cause I think that's a, a little bit even different because he is a, a couple years older. So it'd be maybe a one year thing. I don't, that one would be really fascinating to see how it all played out too. But yeah. uh, if either one of those guys comes, then you got to be on uh, uh transfer portal watch for yeah. both the USC's. I think kind of Rattler probably ends up at Arizona state or something, but yeah, we'll see. Yeah. We got a question from uh, Kevin on YouTube who said Lincoln to SC is a big win for the Pac-12. If, if successful, does he make the conference more desirable for big name coaches? I feel like a lot of coaches aren't sold on Pac-12 commitment to football. No, I think it does. I think it certainly helps uh, if Oregon can keep Mario Cristobal because his name is has you know been bounding around like USC. The, the name came up there. Um, you know, if Miami comes open, is he going to bolt for that? You got to keep the good coaches. I think Jonathan Smith. Uh, I think they're trying to get him an extension too. Uh, he's done good things at Oregon State. They're going to a bowl game for the first time in forever. Uh, you know, Kyle Whittingham's the longest tenured coach. One of them, you know, one of the longest tenured in college football. Uh, there's some good, you know, good coaches, but you could upgrade. I think in 2012, when that first TV money came out, there were some upgrades and stuff going on, but and it did you know, mixed results. And now there's going to be a new influx of money, hopefully in a couple of years. If Lincoln Riley raises the level of the conference, then I think. 
you know, you're gonna, it's going to be forced to, that people put investments in. Like a, a Carl Durrell is just that's sort of a head scratching hire for a, for a Colorado. Even like a, a Herm Edwards, just that some weird ones, you know. And I don't I don't know if you want to get the weird. I think you want to get the <laughs> like you want to go get a like a Lincoln Riley. You're gonna get someone that's that's really good. You know, Kalen DeBoer going from Fresno to Washington. I like that. I like that move. I mean, it's uh, you're taking a chance on a group of five coach, but he showed some real promise, and they they beat some good teams. So um, yeah, but you want to see hires like that. Would you prefer Washington to get Mac Campbell? Because that was the name those. No, I there. would. Yeah, like that's the type of thing where if USC starts playing to their potential, you got to start trying to keep up, or you get left in the dust. And especially if there's new TV money coming in, you feel like you have that opportunity to spend more money. So you could see teams try to keep up in a similar vein. Yeah. We got a question from Gray Fox on YouTube who said, do you see USC changing their out-of-conference schedule with tougher competition now that with Riley as a coach, like how Pete Carroll's teams did? The thing with that is, it's like USC's out of conference scheduling is already pretty tough. One, you got Notre Dame on the schedule every year. Yeah. Now, if USC goes to eight conference games or the Pac-12 goes to eight conference games, which has been discussed a little bit, then maybe it's a little bit different. But USC's also got Ole Miss on the schedule. They got LSU on the schedule. So you know, there's there's some big name teams on there. And when you play Ole Miss or LSU, you're still playing Notre Dame. Yeah. So that's two of your three out of conference games. So I don't think that, you know, I think USC's administration right now under, has understood that people, that USC fans want those marquee games. They want to play in that and that that's a potential to help you in the college football playoff landscape. Yeah. I mean, that, when they played the Texas series a couple of years ago, I mean, that was huge. Loved it. Absolutely. I mean, it was I got awesome. To, yeah. I got to stand next to Matthew McConaughey on the sideline. That was great. <laughs> Keely looks well, over right, and right, like, right. why is Ryan talking to Matthew McConaughey? Like, I don't know. He's just No, my first thing was like, I, I got to document this. I was like, <laughs> my boss and Matthew McConaughey just chilling on the sideline. I think of course. Ty, Tyler Vaughn's made some crate, like when USC was coming back to, to, to win the game at the end, Tyler Vaughn's make like this Sick. crazy catch. And uh, me it was and Deontay Burnett. Was it Burnett? I think. I yeah. could be wrong. Anyway. Um, yeah, but it's like, I don't know. I mean, I didn't. We were, I didn't even know he was there. And we're like, we look kind of look at each other, just like two people are like, oh my God, did you see that? Oh, hey, you're Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> <laughs> just the term like No, you were right. Name. That is correct. A, a post route to, to Tyler Vaughn's touchdown, I believe. Your brain is insane, Chuck. <laughs> uh, I'm not Lincoln Riley, though. Have well, there got, was one that. Have didn't... you guys seen that? He, he is like Sean McVay. Really? They used to have him on a quiz show in Oklahoma. And we'll see if maybe we can get this to happen. I don't know. Or maybe they'll do it on Trojans Live or something where they would give him a play. A time of the game and down a distance, and he would think of think about it for a second and come up with the play. But like, oh yeah, that was a, a handoff to the to the left. You know, we got a good block on the edge with this. This is this is why that happens because coaches watch film so much. And that's part of the reason why I remember some things is because you know I, I try to you know when I'm charting and stuff, try to look at stuff at multiple uh, multiple times, multiple angles, looking at different things. So, but yeah, when you watch it. Thing like those coaches do 30, 40, 50 times, it gets ingrained in there a little bit. Yeah, that makes sense. Already, we're almost at the hour and a half mark. Yeah, we should So, if you have any up. burning questions, get them in right now. Right, 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 right now. Uh, we got a, a question. Well, we got to go to Andrew Hoes. And this is from the similar segment. Uh, again, I watched a lot of Lincoln Riley stuff. Um, he said, Question Does Lincoln Riley know how much a gallon of milk costs now? Because he had no clue previously. He had this photographic memory of plays. But couldn't tell you about milk or anything else because he doesn't do the shopping. That's that's all his wife, Caitlin. She does takes care of all that. Ah, interesting. And obviously, it's going to be organic or soy milk or something special out Almond here in California. Milk, yeah. yeah, that'll be like Goat nineteen dollars. So he wouldn't something do good like on that. the prices, right? <laughs> no, yeah. unlike you, Ryan, which I flexed on that one. Yeah. <laughs> 
Ryan Abraham, winner of the Price You have a photographic memory, but I I crushed the Price is Right. (laughs) (laughs) We got a lot of questions about Elias Ricks and his future. Any insight on that? No insight necessarily, but I think that's someone that USC would definitely go after. And seeing that Lincoln Riley is here, and depending on what they can present for the complete defensive staff, that could be a player that wants to come home. Double legacy, I believe, at USC. I know his mom went to USC. I think it's a double legacy, though. Oh, okay. Shotgun, I'm going to uh, really abandon the, the protocols. <laughs> Basketball, tomorrow. What? Two seconds, go. USC opens conference play, Pac-12 conference play tomorrow against um, Utah. USC has moved up in the rankings. They're number 17 in the coaches poll, number 20 in the AP poll. Uh, they're bringing Utah's coming in. Utah's five and one. USC six and zero. Should be a good game. Uh, you know, and I think uh, I think it was uh, Ben down here who asked, uh, or Big T he said, "Can we all show up to basketball tomorrow to show Bone and Sosna our appreciation for the USC fans?" So I think that's a great idea. You guys should come out and watch the basketball team. They're a unique team. They just won the Wooden Legacy Tournament down in Anaheim on Thanksgiving or a day after Thanksgiving, Black Friday, Thanksgiving and Black Friday. Tremendous defense. Playing great defense, they're going to be in every game, and they, you can see those young players getting uh, getting better and better as the season progresses. And the, they've got a ton of leadership and, and experience. So, uh, a unique team, fun team, a really deep team, could be a team that makes some uh, noise in March. Interesting. Uh, Jasper Smith said, "If you can only get one of these recruits, who are you choosing, Damani Jackson or Devin Campbell?" The answer is obviously Devin Campbell because of the issues that they've had at the offensive line, where they have not recruited at the high level. Um, they're Concerns at cornerback for sure, because Isaiah Taylor Stewart just walked in the senior day ceremonies. That seems like he's gone, uh, and Chris Steele could leave uh, to to go to the NFL. I, I think that's what his desire was before the season. We'll see where he feels like how he did uh, postseason, or I mean during the season to to put that tape out there. But you could lose both of your starting cornerbacks right there, and your backups are Jaden Williams, who's a a converted safety if I remember correctly from Corona Centennial. And Joshua Jackson, who's converted wide receiver. And Joshua Jackson's barely played. Jaden Williams has played a little bit. So, you know, not a ton of experience there. We got a question from A Dog's Life in Portland who says, was continuity of the system part of the consideration uh, with picking Riley, seeing as Riley and Harrell are both part of the leech tree of air raid? Hell to the no. No, I don't think it was part of something they were looking for. No. I think it was more, hey, that's the, one of the top coaches in the country. Yes. We're going to take him. What is if interesting. If he ran a triple option, they would have hired him. Yeah. What is interesting is all the connections that he does have. Does he decide to keep someone around? I know people are asking about Graham Harrell. I don't think that's going to happen. But Clay McGuire, the offensive line coach, he's been on staff with them at East Carolina. He was a player with him at Texas Tech. Is there a position for him? Uh, Keely, Chris, and I talked discussed that today. That's an interesting one. Um, you know, there's a lot of Texas Tech connections on this staff or just guys from Texas. And Lincoln Riley said he was asked about retention, and he said, you know, I know a lot of these guys. I've had connections with a lot of them, or I've played against them, or you know, coached against them. So you know, it's going to be difficult. He doesn't want to rush into anything. They want to go through the whole process and see what is going to be available out there. Because if I'm coach at whatever Minnesota or whatever, and I say, and I'm a damn good whatever coach, whatever position, man, Lincoln Riley just went to USC. Does he got a so and so coach on yet? No, yeah. he doesn't. Maybe I'll hey, do that. Agent, hey, can you call them up and see if uh you know if they've got got somebody yet or you know they're looking around or whatever? Nice. That could easily happen because you can see 
you know, the like I talked about with the, the former players, they know the talent potential with Lincoln Riley. And if you're a coach, you look at it and say, I want to go coach with that guy. You yeah. know, what the potential of USC under a Lincoln Riley, I want to be a part of that. I mean, Matt Riley, Matt Liner's been retired for years. He was like, man, I could play in this office. It'd be fun, you know, like so. <laughs> That'd be something. Uh, David Johnson on YouTube said, why uh, Why think that USC under Riley will build a defense that can win the national championship? Question mark. Okay. Big question. It's, but this is college football in the modern world. Like, do you, do you remember the 2019 LSU team? They outscored everyone. Yes. Did you possible. know, like, how many defensive players from that team are in the NFL right now? Like, good, good number. Like, all of them. Um, I mean, literally, they've had a ton of guys. They play Mississippi, unranked Mississippi. Gave up 37 points. Well, they scored 58, you know, and like so. That's what's going to happen. You know, that, that the Alabama game that year, 46-41. Um, they gave up points. They're going to give up. You're going to give up points when you're scoring a ton of points. And they they have the you know the Texas A&M 50 to seven game. Like you're going to get some of those too. But you just have to be keep it reasonable. You know, there's going to be some bad defensive games, but your offense is so good, you're going to be able to score people. So yes, I think. That they can have a defense that's going to be capable of doing that. They'll have they'll have a bunch of talent, but in modern college football, you're going to give up points because, especially if you're scoring points, you're going to be giving up points. Why, why are you hitting these OU fans that are have come to our show with these strays? Because what happened to that OU team, Lincoln Riley, against that LSU team? That was sixty three twenty eight. So they didn't score Ooh, enough points. That's there. not good. Yeah. I mean, so they, points, yeah. yes, there were concerns when you get up sixty three points when you get into uh, the playoff. There are concerns there. Yeah. They have to clean some things up. I think that they did with Grinch this year to an extent from what I've watched. And again, it's a limited amount from, you know, we're at the stadium on Saturdays for 12 hours or whatever. So we don't get to watch a ton of games. But I think they made some improvements there. Their offense just wasn't as good as it has been the last couple of years um, this year with some inconsistency at quarterback and not running the ball as well. So they got to they got to get offensive line at USC or you're not going to be scoring those points that you're talking about. Yeah. Final question of the show goes to Charles, who says, what are reasonable expectations for USC next season? Why do you want to be reasonable, first of all? <laughs> be unreasonable. Ryan. National champion. If a fan is being reasonable, we have to encourage that. Okay. <laughs> this is the time to be unreasonable. Let's beat Chris, Chris Trevino on Twitter right now. <laughs> like, you can do that. Um, <laughs> that was incredible. <laughs> Uh, I honestly think, I mean, USC was the favorite to win the South this year. I mean, 2021, like they were, I think they were the media pick, right? Uh, I think winning the conference in 2022 is not out of the realm of possibility. At the very least, win the division. Um, there's no reason why that can't happen. And depending on how this these next two weeks go, if he puts a, a top 10 recruiting class together, boom, I think you can win the conference. He'll probably get some big transfers in. I don't think there's any – the conference is not, like, on top of the world right now. I mean, sure. Oregon looked like the best team, and Utah beat the snot out of them, you know? So this is this is winnable. Like, it, do you want to put that kind of uh, heat on a first-time head coach? I mean, at USC, he's not the first-time head coach, but, you know, his first year? No, but, I mean, I would not be shocked, especially if this recruiting class goes really well, they get some good transfers in. They'll probably be the favorite to win the Pac-12 just because – you have enough talent and you have a competent head coach as opposed to having enough talent and not a competent head coach. We'll see. All right. There are major areas of deficiency, and especially if they have some older guys decide to leave the program okay. um, at certain positions, especially in the trenches, is an area where they've struggled to recruit in the past. 
So maybe they go out and they get Devin Campbell and they get Josh Connerly and maybe even Ernest Green. You got three freshmen that are four high four or five star guys. That's great. Are you wanting those guys to start from day one? You think you can rely on them to help you win a conference? That's a very tough thing to ask. Now, can you go in the transfer portal and get an offensive lineman or two? Oh, yeah. That is a potential. And Oklahoma has done that under Lincoln Riley. They got a couple last year from uh, Tennessee, I believe. They got Chris Murray from UCLA. So they have done that. That's a possibility. But they have to answer those questions or else, you know, it doesn't matter how many five-star receivers you have if you can't block up front and create that time for the quarterback. USC fans know that. And the offensive line played much better this year than it has the last couple years. But you could lose. All those guys could leave. You know, the, the five guys that are, that are starters or five older guys could leave if they wanted to. Mm-hmm. So that's the big question to me. Trenches. Yeah. All righty, gentlemen. That is a full show for tonight. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We got one more question. Uh, Bonus he, show. He always has one to more this. question. Bonus Ryan, show. Send him off to Rick Caruso. <laughs> well, two more questions. William Pappas wanted to ask Can the name Clay Helton be stricken from all the print the way they did in ancient Rome? Unfortunately, the internet kind of makes that difficult unless right. unless somebody works at Google. Um, and then Mark Watkins said, Question. Is this the is the Lincoln Riley hire the biggest USC related hire since Ryan decided to hire Keeley full time? Hey! Wow! Shouts to Mark Watkins, a true homie. <laughs> Come on, Mark. Sorry, her price has been driven up already. Man, will you come through on that that higher price? Uh, we'll see. <laughs> We're keeping you around is a, is a good, you know, it's, that's a benefit. You know, just making sure you stay. We'll see. No. We'll see about that. We love Keely. We love you know. Thank you, thank you. Alrighty, that's gonna wrap it up. Uh, scheduling note. No show on Tuesday. I mean, sorry, this is Today Tuesday. is Tuesday. I don't Tuesday. know what day it is. That's I've been going strange. Too, too many days. No show on Thursday, but we will have a show on Sunday. Mm. A special show on Sunday. Special. This is oh. bonus. Bonus. Sunday special. Sunday special. We will have Brandon Sosna <gasps> on the show. Uh, so be sure to tune in on Sunday, the regular time, 7 p.m. We'll have him live in studio in the show. Wait, USC's chief of staff will be sitting here on the live show? Live in Answering the your questions. Vision I, I, studio. I, I guess I just won't come then. We're punting shotgun. <laughs> We're going to punch shotgun for Brandon. <laughs> yeah, that's basically what's happening. And, and shotgun, you're taking one okay. for the team. You guys, thank you. You guys prefer that anyway. <laughs> yeah, so we're I'm excited. Okay we're excited to have Brandon in the studio. So make sure you stay tuned for that. Um, if and this is your chance, if you want to ask USC's uh, chief of staff for the athletic department questions, if they're good enough, we will ask them. Yeah, and see what he has. Heavily, to say. heavily screen these. Yes, we will right? heavily screen your questions. <laughs> but no, uh, we. You know, he's he's good. He'll answer. Yeah, just about, and he's got good answers if. You know, hey, we're not, we can't say that or whatever. And, if he uh, wants to deflect, he knows how to. Yeah, he's, he's very good at that. Yeah. So. Yep. All righty. That's going to wrap it up for tonight. That is Shotgun Spiraling. That's Ryan Abraham. I'm Kilior. We will see you on Sunday. Bye. Check out basketball tomorrow. <laughs>